I don't think we, we, we win hearts and minds if we're reactive or responding to that misinformation. What we're really trying to do is understand the memes and themes and messages, and then to program ahead of them, to co-opt them, to disperse them. And I think that you have to do that through people within the community. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the next big thing in health. I'm your co-host, Matt Isles. And I'm Laura Evans. This season of The Next Big Thing in Health is sponsored by Teladoc Health, partnering with health insurance providers to transform the care experience for their members. Visit teladochealth.com backslash AHIP-2021 to learn about its perspectives on the path forward for integrated virtual whole person care. You may have seen that the White House is teaming up with social media influencers from TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, and Twitch to encourage people to get vaccinated against COVID-19. That's because social media can impact real life decisions, like whether to get a vaccine. Our guest today is Curtis Hoagland, the founder and CEO of Main Street One, a people-first marketing agency that specializes in socially conscious campaigns for companies, causes, and candidates with a network of 6.3 million micro-influencers and content creators. I should also mention that here at AHIP, we work with Curtis and his team on a campaign last year to connect with influencers to share some of the ways health insurance providers were responding to the growing COVID-19 crisis. That included sharing available resources and benefits, and we're so excited for you to join us here today, Curtis. Thank you, Matt, and hey, Laura. Hey, thank you for being with us, Curtis. Uh, Curtis, uh, maybe you could just give us a little brief background on yourself, an intro uh, of who you are and what Main Street One does. I'm happy to do that. And then I'm going to throw in a little note about the Biden White House campaign. But um, <laughs> we do something which is called relational organizing. And what that really means in the context of healthcare is we have the ability to source authentic patient stories by not only the hundreds, but the thousands in order to run peer-to-peer marketing campaigns. And so there's sort of two things that go into that, which are pretty simple. One is to be able to identify what people already trust and believe based on what they do and say online. And then the ability is who would be the most trusted messengers? Who are they most likely to believe about a, a health condition or an issue? And then last, we're measuring the persuasiveness of all this. So are we actually changing hearts and minds? Um, it's had, a, as you mentioned, a long history in, in politics and in health conditions. And I read the Biden news with great interest because I think it's absolutely the right strategy. I think the only thing that I would sort of call out is they mentioned 50 TikTokers. And I think the answer needs to be 50,000. Wow. There's just a different scale that is easily achievable with the right commitment and the right will. And we know, Curtis, that influencer marketing has become just a huge industry in recent years. Can you talk about the role of influencers in healthcare in particular? And are influencers, in your opinion, and you sort of touched on this just now, are they being used optimally to reach vaccine-hesitant populations? What more can be done by the Biden administration and others? Well, I, I think the thing that we have to sort of understand, especially in healthcare, is that there's been a collapse in trust in America. 
right, and it's affecting every sector, and especially as we get back to COVID, is that based on the statistics we're seeing, 75% of Americans distrust the government. And that, by the way, crosses the aisle. 66% don't trust the media. And big corporations are the number one entity that are being distrusted at about 80% rate. So what we have to understand is we're marketing and communicating to a population that's never been more skeptical about what we have to say. So if you start to think about that in healthcare, you start to think about that in COVID, you realize that the institutions themselves might not really be trusted messengers. So we need to pivot to find out who would be the most trusted messenger. So if I'm uh, a, a healthcare brand, let's say I'm doing something that's um, having to do women's breast health equity, which is a program we're working on right now, um, targeted towards creating equity for black women across the nation, maybe my messenger should not be a corporate ad, right? Or should not be an article that we try to place, but it should be galvanized and organizing black women to speak out, to, to personally, organically, and authentically share their stories in a way that is far, far more impactful. So in the case of COVID, what we've just made the distinction is if I'm trying to convince rural Oregonians to get vaccinated, well, maybe the best messenger is a rural Oregonian. And maybe I should listen to what rural Oregonians care about because it's different than the people in Portland. So I should combine what messages they're most likely to respond to with who they're most likely to trust. And that I think has been the secret sauce as to what works in overcoming vaccine hesitancy. So it's meeting the people where they are basically. Yeah, and you know, listen, just biologically, we, we tend to respond to people from our community, right? Who have the same condition or lived experience right, who share a zip code with us, who maybe have similar affinities. I think long gone for healthcare and especially on COVID are the days where we can think about audience segments, right? We have to now think about individuals and we have to understand that these big demographic groups are not homogenous in the way that they were 20 years ago. Yeah, that, that's pretty compelling data that you were just sharing on the level of distrust across different groups of, you know, really institutions, uh, you know, writ large. And, you know, when we think about that kind of data and what it means when people trust an influencer more than an advertisement or traditional celebrity endorsement or what they're hearing from a company, what do you think this means for healthcare organizations? Yeah, I mean, I think healthcare organizations, so um, one last stat, um, I'm very close to with the people at Salesforce, and they think 20% in the next year, 20% of all ad dollars will be funneled through influencers in sort of one way, shape, or form. Mm. And so I think as healthcare, we just have to understand, you know, what are the different overlapping communities and tribes, right, that are supportive of us? And to here's the big leap. How do we think of them less as consumers and more as partners. And I would draw a big distinction between what we do, which is akin to getting real people to share real stories in their own vernacular versus getting a capital I influencer or celebrity. I think that when we think of 
influencer marketing as celebrities and politicians and even doctors, there tends to be a little bit of dissonance. They tend to be aspirational. I don't relate to them in the same way that I relate to Matt because we work together or someone who is from my, my church or synagogue or shares a neighborhood. There's just a different, more personal reaction and a more different outcome than if someone is you know, distantly and aspirationally popular, right? So we don't want um, Kim Kardashians. We want hundreds of Laura Evans if we're going to make a difference. Mm-hmm. So can you give us some insight into vaccine campaigns that are that have been working and maybe, you know, which states are doing it right? Do you have that kind of data? Yeah. And listen, I think the gold standard for COVID is, is the state of Oregon. Um, because what they've done is not only done the top-down marketing and advertising, but they've done the bottom-up version. So we have just in the last four months um, sourced and distributed more than 500 individual Oregonians who have raised their hand to create posts and videos across every uh, ethnic group, uh, across different languages, across rural and urban. We've turned the best of those into advertisements where we're seeing five to six times the click-through rate, 300% higher recall. But the other thing they've done is some amazing organizations, one of which is called Brink, is they have about 150 CBOs, right, representing different aspects of the community that are able to then take that peer-to-peer content and flush it out through their respective digital and social channels, right? Because Oregon realized a lot of what we're talking about in terms of distrust and said, who can we get that are credible messengers, right? So if we're speaking to our Chinese population, we need to do Chinese language posts and videos and influence our content. And they've just done a wonderful job of also being responsive to how the discourse on COVID has changed, which has changed really, really, really fast. And so to be able to understand, okay, we're living through this moment where there's a shift in who's more vaccine hesitant or all of a sudden, you know, there's this big mass of misinformation, disinformation around fertility and pregnancy. How then can we pivot very quickly or how they pivoted very quickly to uh, speak to their communities authentically, uh, as you said, when and where they want to hear those messages. Have, have you noticed any differences, Curtis, now uh, pre-vaccine and post-vaccine. You know, I'm just thinking about we're in this sort of fourth wave now of COVID with the Delta variant. And what makes this different than the others is that we actually do have a vaccine out there and and are people thinking about it differently now because we do have that available versus say a year ago when, you know, we were, we were still waiting. Yeah. It's been, it's been really, really different. Um, what works now, which is really interesting in this sort of as, you know, half of Americans, or I think the number is 54% or something like that, have gotten the vaccine. Um, there's been a couple of things that happened. Is A, what we've learned is the best message, no matter what subject that I'm focusing on now, is the, I've got to meet you halfway. I've got to share a little reciprocity. I'm going to say, Matt, I share your concerns about the vaccines and some of the side effects we've been hearing. But I've made a personal choice to get the vaccine because it's time for me to go back to church. Mm-hmm. Time for me to go back to Little League. In the beginning, the theory of change was to argue the efficacy 
of the, the vaccines to put out doctors and health professionals. Um, obviously, there was a, a political difference as well um, from the early time of the, the, the vaccine and versus now. But I think what we've just learned is that it sounds really trite when I say it, that just honesty, reciprocity, and authenticity work a lot better now than they did in the beginning. Because there has been a little trust built up through the population. And Curtis, you talk a lot about misinformation uh, before. Uh, how, how can influencers get involved in that war on, on misinformation? Um, especially around healthcare and issues like COVID vaccine. And is, is it with the influencers? Because I know you're making a differentiation between people in the community versus influencers. Is it, is it as effective, again, when regarding the misinformation issue? Um, is it as effective with, uh, when, you, when talking about influencers? Are we talking about the same thing regarding misinformation versus right. the vaccine? Yeah, so I'm going to say something a little odd and maybe a little unpopular, but I think misinformation is, is real, but it's a red herring. And too much effort and concentration is spent on understanding disinformation and misinformation. Um, all that matters is, is it having an impact? And is it changing the frame by which we communicate? But it's not real or fake. In fact, the best misinformation is rooted in some partial fact. Right. It's not machine or human. It all washes together in the Internet. No longer does it really matter whether it's foreign or domestic. Right. It only matters. Is it breaking through to alter the perception of the vaccine? And so what we keep arguing is the best defense is good offense. So, yes, we want to understand what's happening, which misinformation is metastasizing. But I don't think we, we, we win hearts and minds if we're reactive or responding to that misinformation. What we're really trying to do is understand the memes and themes and messages, right? And then to program ahead of them, to co-opt them, right? To disperse them. Um, and I think that you have to do that through people within the communities. So again, if we're, we're dealing with, um, you know, white working class men who, who appear to, to show some of the greatest vaccine hesitancy, there are ways we're doing a campaign right now with truck drivers. And we're using truck drivers as, again, our trusted messengers to talk about why they're taking the vaccine hmm. in a very real, authentic way of which we don't edit very much. And that is able to kind of break through into those niches and those communities. Um, and so while we're factoring in misinformation, I don't think that we're saying, okay, this is a misinformation threat. We need to respond to it. We just, having grown up in a world of countering ISIS propaganda, Russia propaganda, doing early anti-vax work going back to 2015, uh, we've just learned that that positive emotional quadrant is much better than that negative responding to, to mis- and disinformation quadrant. Tell 
Teladoc Health, the leader in virtual care since 2002, has built the only scalable platform for integrated whole person solutions. A partnership with Teladoc Health helps ensure that health insurance providers, employers, hospitals, and health systems are prepared for the future by supporting the growth of virtual care. To learn about Teladoc Health's perspectives on innovating to ensure access to integrated virtual whole person care for everyone, visit teledochealth.com backslash AHIP-2021. Um, so most of the listeners here obviously have an interest in healthcare and probably work in a field uh, or a part of the healthcare system you know, that is thinking about all these issues. Um, what would your advice be to people who are in healthcare organizations, companies, groups that are looking to influence or marketing and, and perhaps using it? You know, people my age think that there's a privacy and that people are shy in telling their stories. What I would say to all those healthcare companies is there are people that earnestly, honestly, and genuinely want to share their stories, no matter how we how stigmatized we think it might be. So last month we worked for, uh, and I can mention this brand, an amazing company called Culturel. And this is more on the consumer side um, that has a probiotic, which is really effective at helping people with irritable bowel syndrome. And you might think that a lot of people don't wanna raise their hand and say, hey, I have IBS, that there's a little stigmatization to that. That's something that we don't want public. But within the course of six weeks, there are 150 people that raised their hands and said, hey, I want to tell my personal story. I want to be proud and loud and uh, acknowledge what I'm going through. Um, we're doing a lot in cervical health right now. So we're brave women, literally by the thousands, are wanting to talk about abnormalities or cervical cancers and how they or a family member did this. Um, we're even getting to rare disease states. Um, and so what I would encourage them all to say, whether you're um, a, a healthcare company that's facing down flu season, whether you treat certain specific conditions, that there are people across America that are eager to share their stories in partnership with you. And it starts to open up that idea we were talking about earlier, which is they're, they're not just consumers and patients. They really do want the reciprocity of being partners. And the last thing I would say is the number one reason why people join a campaign is because they get some social status from it, right? And they feel like they're creating a relationship with the brand. And as a CMO, boy, that's my holy grail, is can I create a relationship with every single patient or customer that I have? So Curtis, you've mentioned several campaigns that you've worked on. They, they all sound fascinating. I'm curious how you even got into this business. <laughs> um, but, I, but, I, but I'd like to ask you about, about some of your campaigns and um, you know, what, what you've found most fascinating, um, the results of which you've found most surprising. What was your favorite collaboration? Can you give us some insight? I can. I mean, I love all my children. So let, let's not use the word favorite, but let's say the word, the one that I'm sort of uh, focused on, let's say this morning. Um, there's a wonderful organization that does so much good uh, for so many different causes called the Ad Council. 
And I really think from a national standpoint, the Ad Council has been the standard bearer um, in COVID overcoming vaccine hesitancy. And what's been remarkable about them is they created uh, through Pereira Dell and a bunch of other agencies, a really great top-down ad campaign. They've gotten former presidents and experts to talk about that. But the part that really excites me is that we've been able to source and distribute thousands of posts and videos representing each audience that's showing the most vaccine hesitancy and to do it on a consistent basis. Um, and we just ran a, a persuasion test for them. And I don't think this has been public yet. Uh, but what it shows that when we show you a piece of peer-to-peer -peer content from your community, right, you are five points likelier to recommend the COVID vaccine to a loved one, eight points likelier to consider the vaccine safe after seeing a piece of pro-vaccine content. And those numbers jump significantly when we start to survey and poll women and really skyrocket when we uh, ask the questions of seniors 55 plus mm. who go up to 20 points, like or 20 points more likely after engaging with peer-to-peer -peer content campaigns um, as a result of seeing people from their community. What it also is doing is bursting a bubble for us to think of social media or some of these channels that we communicate like mobile as being for the young people. When you look at the demographics of Instagram, it is mainstream America. Even when you see what's happening on TikTok, the numbers are trending way, 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 way older every day. Um, and so it's been remarkable. We ran a big campaign aimed at seniors in the state of Maine and the response was overwhelming. Um, so that's a little bit of my favorite way to think about it. Um, and they're also just really responsive. You know, like we said, they're, they're getting, you know, daily and weekly misinformation reports that allow us to do different briefs and have two or three or four briefs in the marketplace, talking to different audiences, running multiple campaigns through the same CRM. As you say that, there's a shift of the young children going away from TikTok so that they can get away from all the adults who are starting to get on. This, this, this is the way it goes. You know, you know, as soon as your parents are on it, you're like, yeah, let me find yeah. somewhere. New. Time, time to find something else. Well, those are fascinating numbers. Yeah. They, Thanks they're, for sharing those. Th that's incredible uh, statistics and, and just great experience. And the ad council, I agree. Uh, and AHIP's been a big supporter of that, has done just a phenomenal job. You know, as we uh, close things out, we always like to ask our guests uh, sort of one final question. And this has been a, a great conversation. And maybe I'll make it even a little bit bigger since this is the next big thing in health. What do you think the next big thing is, uh, you know, as you're looking across the sort of the universe of communications and, and where do you see influencer marketing going when it comes to healthcare? So I think influencer marketing is in some ways a Trojan horse for what uh, healthcare brands are going to do. And it comes out of a lot of how we learned to use influencers in politics um, is I think you're going to start to see the establishment of war rooms, right? That are going to have back to back to back your data person, your content creative person and your distribution person. 
they're going to be doing something akin to fast advertising, right? So can we pick up what's happening in culture? And can we use that to very quickly inform ad and especially peer-to-peer campaigns that actually work as one? To eliminate the separation that I have in my healthcare marketing organization, to sort of say, if it's taking six people to look at a tweet, or if my data and my creative, my distribution people aren't working in lockstep, I need to collapse those silos so that I can take advantage of a world that's moving much, much faster, much more culturally, and of which the power is with now with the people. It's no longer trust in institutions. We trust each other. And I think you will see the smart healthcare brands. And I know that there's some really great ones and great thinkers at places like CVS Health that are starting to really embrace these types of things. And so I think you're gonna see a little restructuring of the marketing enterprise itself as a reaction to the power of micro-influencers and influencers. Great insights, Curtis. Really enjoyed this conversation. So much to to think about uh, coming out of it. Thank you for being with us. Thank you, Curtis. It is my pleasure. Keep up the good work, okay? Recognizing the critical role that virtual care plays in the healthcare delivery system, Teladoc Health helps health insurance providers coordinate and deliver care for all members, including their highest risk populations, by providing a front door to care. From chronic condition management to mental health to primary care, Teladoc Health personalizes and integrates whole person care for members. Visit teledochealth.com backslash AHIP-2021 to download our brochure and learn how virtual care is delivering value as the preferred entry point to health.